Hello and welcome to the inaugural Herbert Smith Free Hills Tax Podcast. My name is Toby Eccleston, a partner in the Melbourne office, and joining me today is Ginny Chiman Canalot from the Sydney office, our stamp duty partner. Hello, Ginny. Hi, Toby. Happy to be here. Oh, excellent. It's great to be with you all in one firm now, Ginny. Absolutely. So today we are going to kick off the tax podcast with a discussion of recent changes to the statutory regime, particularly focused on New South Wales, and we'll briefly touch on other jurisdictions. So Ginny, what's been happening in the statutory world? been an exciting year for stamp duty, Toby. We saw a number of significant changes coming in New South Wales on the 19th of May, which we can chat about, and also some budget changes as well. Yes. So let's kick off. So there was a lot of speculation in the lead up to the budget as to what was going to happen, particularly in respect of property. So in the lead up to the budget, the government announced that there would be progress on the proposed property tax reform. So that was the proposal to ultimately replace stamp duty with a broad-based land tax on an opt-in basis. What ended up coming out of the budget was a significant backtrack to that. The government ended up introducing the first home buyer choice regime, which would allow first home owners to opt to annually pay the property tax rather than pay stamp duty. That is eligible for purchases of up to $1.5 million and is expected to come in on 16 January next year. That is a significantly curtailed regime relative to what the government had been hoping to introduce, which was the original proposal to gradually transition from the current stamp duty regime to an annual property tax on all properties. So the initial proposal was really to apply to residential, commercial, as well as primary production property. And what what was the reason for the change of heart there, Ginny? Look, those measures would have been revenue neutral over time, but obviously on introduction would leave a significant hole in the budget. And without federal government support, it was not feasible for that to go through, which is one of the great challenges on property tax reforms and stamp duties generally. It's such a large amount of state revenue and in order to reform stamp duty it's got to be replaced with something and federal government support is needed. Yeah understood. So this regime for first home owners could ultimately be seen as a bit of a trial run to see whether it could be broadened to other properties more generally but at the moment the New South Wales property tax reform is really now quite confined to 1.5 million dollars for first home owners. And what's been the feedback so far from developers and homeowners, do you think, generally, or the property council? At the moment, there's not been a lot because the regime is quite curtailed. We're currently waiting for draft legislation to be available. This feedback on the initial property tax reform has been quite mixed because, as with these things, the devil's in the detail. And part of the concern around opting in is really about ongoing rates mean what would the rates be set at and how could they change over time because obviously once someone has opted into the regime they do have to pay the ongoing property taxes. One other key difference is for the currently proposed first home owner's choice scheme is once a purchaser opts in when they sell that does not tie the next purchaser to having to pay the property tax. So it is really something that is up to the one purchaser when they purchase the property up to $1.5 million, but doesn't actually tie anyone else down to the same choice. 
So it makes it easier for a particular first home owner to decide whether to opt into the regime or not. And realistically, that will probably depend on their personal circumstances and how long they think they'll be in that property for. Interesting. It must lead to driving a behaviour where people are more inclined, particularly if they're planning on flipping the property within a short period of time, that they'll be choosing a zero stamp duty and just paying land tax as opposed to paying a massive whack up front. That's right. I think on the figures that were being shown, you know, like you break even at a 20-year mark for example. But again, there's, because the property tax rates are calculated on the unimproved land tax value, there's also quite a significant differential for a particular person looking to purchase a house for $1.5 million versus an apartment for $1.5 million because apartments will usually have much lower land tax values. And so again, in terms of behavioural changes and what it's skewed towards, that will be really interesting to see how it plays out. Yes, indeed. All right, what's next, Ginny? We can have a brief chat about the New South Wales stamp duty changes, which are causing a lot of excitement in the property world. Sure, excitement slash heartburn. (laughs) Indeed. So it's also a matter of watch this space and keeping many people busy. These are the changes that came in on 19 May, and they were intended to be anti-avoidance in nature. So New South Wales now has a regime imposing duty on changes in beneficial ownership, which is what Victoria also currently has. The provisions were meant to be anti-avoidance. So they were intended to impose duty where a property is switched from a fixed trust to another fixed trust without paying stamp duty. What ended up being introduced is quite broad and can also apply to ordinary conveyancing transactions. So, for example, the grant of a call option is now a dutiable transaction in New South Wales, with duty being imposed at land transfer rates on the option fee. And there's no ability to get a refund if the option is not exercised. And interestingly, if the option fee is credited towards the duty payable on the contract, double duty is still payable. So there's duty payable on the option fee and there's duty payable on the contract price, which in effect means someone will have to pay more duty than they would have previously had to pay. That is a deliberate policy choice, which is very interesting because on the one hand, these changes were introduced on the 19th of May, and on the other hand, there's talk about stamp duty potentially being replaced with broader-based property tax. Yeah, it's strange that they haven't credited the amount. Uh, That's right. And it's clear that where you've got a security deposit for the grant of an option, that shouldn't be a dutiable option fee. But of course, there's a lot of grey area between what is a genuine security deposit and what's an option fee. And a number of practitioners can be caught unawares if they're not conscious of current revenue practices. And revenue practice in this area is evolved as the provisions are new. So we're expecting some new rulings and regulations to come into place as well. And what was the key concern or risk that they were trying to rule out? You said it was an anti-avoidance provision. What were the sort of types of transactions that were causing the State Revenue Office to complain? I, I think they were more directed at genuine changes in beneficial ownership of land without there being officially a transfer. So, for example, a trustee of a fixed trust holding property on behalf of different beneficiaries. So economically, the property has changed hands, but legally there's been no change to the legal title. Yep. Okay. Which is really far away from the practical implications of how the provisions are being applied to apply to normal 
conveyance and transactions like call options. And how does this impact on grants of leases? Yeah, leases are interesting. The grant of an option to grant a lease, so an option to take up a new lease, that is still not a duty-able transaction. But the provisions do impact leases. And I might also just briefly mention easements. So significant impacts on the renewable sector, as well as developers entering into leases and, say, constructing a facility. Currently, there's no lease duty. So lease duty has been abolished Australia-wide. Duty was previously paid on a lease for a premium in New South Wales. So if you granted a lease for an upfront lump sum, that was a dutyable transaction. Under these new provisions, where a lease is not otherwise dutyable, it can become dutyable as a lease for consideration. So that means if a tenant agrees to build significant infrastructure, that could be dutyable as a lease granted for consideration. It impacts a lot of transactions in the renewable space where leases and easements are taken for a fee. And it can also result in duty being payable on leases based on a market value test, which has never been the case previously. That's quite the change. Indeed. Have you seen or have you heard of whether that's going to create adverse impact for investment in New South Wales in those areas? Again, because it's early days and because revenue has been conscious of noting that the provisions are anti-avoidance in nature and making comments around there is no intention to impact certain industries, Unfortunately, because the legislation is quite broadly drafted, it's still a matter of waiting to see revenue public guidance on these issues, which we're expecting shortly. Okay. Declarations of trust, anything change there? Revenue is saying there's no change. So these provisions were in response to the court's decision in Benidorm, which effectively confirmed that under the previous regime, declaration of trust duty was a transaction tax. Under the current provisions, duty are now imposed on an acknowledgement of a trust, which effectively means that repeating a trust clause or capacity wording can result in ad valorem duty at land transfer rates. That's quite significant because this is where people can inadvertently draft wording into a transaction that gives rise to unexpected stamp duty outcomes. Yeah, so when we're doing an amendment of terms of a trustee. I know you've always been very careful to ensure that we're not repeating the declaration of trust wording in there. So I assume that practice will continue, but by the sound of it, it will also be extended to any other acknowledgement uh, in other documents. Is that correct? That's right, Toby. And one really important example is where a custodian is entering into a contract for sale as custodian for a purchaser. And People are very conscious of needing to ensure that the party description is correctly described in a way that revenue confirms is an acceptable description. And again, revenue is updating their materials to reflect what is appropriate wording and what wording might give rise to additional duty under these acknowledgement of trust provisions. That purely is a legal drafting issue, but important for people to bear in mind to make sure that they comply with revenue's practice direction. Uh, yes, important might be an understatement there. Judy, a very expensive mistake could be well and truly on the card if care is not taken. Um, what else, Jenny? Foreign buyers, uh, any change there? Yes, so for foreign buyers, the stamp duty of surcharge on residential land has always been 8%. 
the change in the budget is that the foreign owner surcharge land tax, which has been 2% since it was introduced in 2017, has doubled to 4%. And Jenny, does this just apply to residential land or is it extended also to commercial and industrial? In New South Wales, this does only apply to residential land, but again, there are some jurisdictions that impose that more broadly. So very important to check the nuances between the jurisdictions. Ah, yeah. Uh, as always, with Stamp 2. Okay. I noticed there was a new compliance and audit funding for Stamp 2 and land tax compliance. Uh, no doubt that'll keep our dispute partners involved and engaged uh, going forward. Yes. <laughs> uh, and any change to Stamp 2 rates or is it just indexation of global value? Indexation only. Okay, so that's a wrap-up of the New South Wales changes. Other jurisdictions, Jenny, you want to run? Only briefly. Not not many significant changes from our stamp duty practice perspective. Uh, the good news on Western Australia is Bill Torrent now has a 50% land tax concession, which brings WA into line with a number of other states. And then probably the only other thing worth noting is Tasmania has also introduced our foreign investor land tax surcharge of 2% on residential land and also introduced developer concessions for developers of residential land who would have otherwise been subject to the foreign stamp duty. I think the only other change I can think is from the indirect state duty practices is Queensland introducing the mental health levy manner similar to Victoria uh, proposed to come in. Anything else we should be aware of from a stamp duty perspective? Any recent case law rulings? You want to bring to light, Ginny? Nothing on that front, Toby. Okay. Maybe a topic for another day. As always, we had a team meeting uh, on Tuesday uh, and the discussion around the ongoing issue of whether something is a fiction or a channel. I think we might be doing a separate podcast just on that particular topic, uh, covering income tax, stamp, and dispute. So, listeners, keep your ears peeled for that one. Anything else in closing, Ginny, that you want to let our listeners uh, some closing. of the materials that we've just talked about are up on our website. We do have a national tax practice page that has a summary of the recent budget changes, a number of our articles. We'll keep those websites updated with articles on interesting topics from time to time. So please take a look. Yeah, indeed. Hopefully we'll be able to link to that in the show notes as well. Hey, Ginny, thank you for that. Uh, always interesting to get the update across multiple jurisdictions. A number of things happening everywhere is different. It's never straightforward. And I think the one thing I'm aware of is just because I might be aware of a practice in a particular jurisdiction does not mean it, it will be applied uh, the same way uh, nationwide. But thank you, Gina, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the first tax podcast under the Herbert Smith Free Hills. Uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, more exciting tax topics to discuss. But until next time, thank you and goodbye. Thanks, Toby. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.